Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We're going to look here. We've been going through progressively through the book of Romans and looking at this message of Paul to uh, the church at Rome. Uh, his, this, these are his people. These are the people that uh, Paul has yearned to go uh, to minister to. And, and Paul has been looking all of his life to be able to go and to be with them. And he's, at this point in his life, he's not able to go with it and be with them yet. So he's writing to them the gospel message so that they kind of get a preview of the message that he's going to share with them. And so... <clears throat> He's been detailing all these uh, issues with sin and with uh, with uh, the problem with sin in our life and the fact that we've uh, uh, got this sin uh, oppression upon our lives and all these things that are going against us. But yet, he's also talking about uh, uh, God's grace, and that's been the overarching theme throughout this passage. Uh, this uh, study of Romans is. Uh, God's grace towards us and God's grace and how He has applied that to our lives. And He continues this. Now, last time we talked about uh, how we should deal with sin in our life and how we should deal with that. And now Paul moves on to another aspect of that. But uh, I tried to figure out a way in which to, to really talk about what Paul is is dealing with here and and... Uh, he's uh, the one thing that I thought of that uh, really uh, stands out in my mind. You know, we are people that are affected by the media. We uh, we're affected by what we see on. It used to be what we saw on TV and in commercials. Now more than ever, it's uh, what we see on the internet and uh, the things that we see on Facebook and all that kind of thing. Uh, back when I was a young boy, we watched TV and it had commercials. <laughs> That's almost how I feel like talking nowadays. And I remember uh, those, uh, those commercials. Uh, uh, they had some real clever people writing those commercials. And one of those commercials I remember... Uh, a lot, and I could have used some of it last night, was a, a commercial for Alka-Seltzer. And I remember uh, that particular uh, commercial dealt with, uh, here's, here's, uh, <coughs> here's, let's see, let's, here's Miss Beatrice. She loves pickles, and she'd look at the camera, but pickles don't love me. You remember that commercial? Yeah. And she would just love eating pickles, but she had to take something because the pickles didn't love her very much. And I remember the other one. It was this guy. He was uh, he he was obviously either an immigrant from uh, Italy or he was he was a uh, uh, descendant of of Italian immigrants. And he was sitting there in his home, and he was and he his his wife had made him a loving meal, and he had eaten it and. And he said, uh, uh, he took a bite of a, a meatball. He said, that's a spicy meatball. Remember that one? <laughs> and, uh, and it's all about how those, those wonderful foods that we love to eat, 
but they don't always do too well on our our stomach. And last night I did a little bit of something like that myself. I went and ate something I I, I really shouldn't have eaten, and it did a number on my stomach last night. And I could have used some of that stuff to make my stomach feel better. And uh, you know, uh, but we're we enjoy eating the food. But we can't control what the food does to us, can we? We A lot of times we can't control uh, the reaction that our body has to those foods because uh, we're, we're just not used to, to eating those foods or maybe it's uh, the fact that we've gotten to an age where we can't possibly eat those. I remember uh, uh, my dad used to love eating vegetables and, and love eating all fresh produce and things like that. And, one of the things he used to love doing was he would uh, those lemons that they'd put on the table when we go eat fish or when we go different places. He'd love to take those lemons and stick one in his mouth. And my dad was always a ham. He uh, he every time we went somewhere and there were lemons, he'd put a wedge in his mouth. And he'd suck on it, and then he'd smile, and he'd see all that yellow from the rind of the lemon in his mouth, just like a little kid. He'd sit there and do that. And, of course, he's looking for me and my brother to giggle at him and laugh and everything. I look at my children, and they do the same thing. They love eating lemons, even from a young age. My girls uh, would eat lemons, and they'd do the exact same thing, put that lemon wedge in their mouth and and smile and, and see that. But... As my dad got older and after he had some different reactions to different things, my dad couldn't eat lemons anymore. It broke his heart that he couldn't do that, but we'd go and he'd want water at the restaurant. And I remember one time he he ordered a glass of water and they brought it with a lemon wedge on it. And he said, no, I can't have that because I'll have an allergic reaction to it. They took it away and brought it back without a lemon wedge. And he started drinking it and all of a sudden his lip just swelled up. Boom. Got really big. And what they done is they just took the lemon off and brought it back to him without the lemon on it. And... uh, uh, but, uh, you know, we can't control what our body does sometimes when we eat certain things. And the only option to do is either not to eat it or to try and, and live with the, the situation with what we, uh, what, when we eat it. You know, I, I love, you know, some of you are out there and you're saying, well, I don't have anything like that applies to me. I don't eat spicy foods or anything like that. Well, I can guarantee you that you probably love chocolate. Isn't it, is this awful that I'm talking about food at a time like this? I'm sorry. You love chocolate or you love ice cream or you love uh, all those kind of things, but you don't like what that food does to your body. Well, it might you might not have allergic reaction, but, you, boy, you your body reacts to it, doesn't it? It, it, it puts on the weight, puts on the pounds, uh, uh, and... I tell you, it's the hardest thing in the world to have all that stuff around you and not eat it, isn't it? It's awful. It's hard. You want to eat it. You want to. And when you're young, you don't think about it because you're full of energy. You're out doing all kinds of work and hard hard work. Don't don't gain a weight like you would when you get older. You can't eat it as much because uh, it'll just add on to pounds and everything. Sins the same way. We're controlled by... You probably wonder when we're going to ever get there. We're here. Sin's the same way. We we don't 
uh, our nature uh, is a sinful nature because we were born into Adam, as Paul talks about in the, uh, the prior chapters. He talks about the fact that we are born into sin, that we're born into this sin state of having the curse of sin upon our life. And uh, we have the grace of God applied to our life in Jesus Christ that He uh, sacrificed for us on the cross of Calvary so His blood can cover our sins. And it's His grace that takes away that sin in our life, the effects of sin. It's, it's better than Alka-Seltzer or Pepto-Bismol. Uh, God's love uh, shows, uh, showered down upon us and the blood of Jesus Christ covers that sin and uh, we, that sin's taken away. But we're still human, aren't we? There's not a one... Let me tell you a, a secret. Can I tell you a secret? Let me tell you. When we're little, we love secrets. Whoa, yes. Give me a secret. Give me t- Let me tell you a secret. People who don't have Jesus in their life sin. Well, oh, that's not a, sin, a secret. Let me tell you more. People who have never heard of Jesus have sin in their life. Oh, that's not a secret either. Let me. Here we're coming to the secret. People that have Jesus in their life sin too. Now, we like to act as if we don't sin. We like to come into church and, oh, I, let's condemn this and condemn that. I, we're going to condemn this lifestyle. We're going to condemn this kind of thing. But guess what? We sin just like everybody else. And we, yeah, amen, right? We all sin. We all have sin and come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We all have the result of sin in our life. And even though we have Jesus Christ in our, in our heart, guess what? We still all sin. We still all sin. And... and it's just like you remember Frodo in Lord of the Rings. Uh, Frodo's task was what he was to take that ring that was had been was the focus of evil, and he was to try and take it and destroy it. But he had to hide it uh, until he <coughs> excuse me. He had to hide it because everybody wanted the ring because of the power that that came with it but it made him evil as, as long as he had it on him right it made some of you are saying what are you talking about <laughs> just take my word for it, it uh, uh, as long as he had the ring it was making him uh, have uh, evil thoughts it was making him have uh, uh, evil reactions to things he was doing bad things even though he was a kind person he, he wanted to do good he wanted to be good towards other people he wanted to uh, treat other people better but he had to have that ring in order to take it and uh, on his quest to, to destroy the ring and uh, in our life, sin makes us do things that we don't uh, particularly care to do, we, we don't want to do, and it may, uh, we have a constant battle with sin, with uh, wickedness that uh, sin causes us to do, and we want to have a life devoid of sin, right? We don't want to have sin in our life. Problem is, is we're still human. We're still on this earth. So guess what? We're still going to have problems with sin. Look at what Paul says. Know ye not, brethren, verse 1 of chapter 7, 
in Romans. Uh, know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. So he's saying, look, he's getting down to the nuts and bolts of, of, of the life of those who are Jewish people and living in Rome who have this tradition of the law. Have, uh, and we've talked about the fact that we, look, we don't have to uh, worry about sin anymore, but we still live with the law. And Paul's uh, dealing with this. And you might be saying, well, the law this and the law that. That's a Jewish thing. I don't have to worry about the law. Well, we do too because we still have the ten. You know, the law is basically an outpouring of what? The Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. God uh, gave them to Moses so that his people could uh, learn how to live and to act and how to do the things they were supposed to do. Uh, We don't have the law like the Israelites had the law, but we still have the Ten Commandments, don't we? We still uh, live by God's commands and His Word. And uh, so we need to figure out how we should live in relation to what God's desire is, and so it's still uh, we're still living with uh, the effects of what God has shown us. We have to live and abide by those things. And he says in verse two, for the woman w- and Paul goes into this uh, illustration that I touched on last week. Some I guess because I was studying ahead, it is just it's such a good, wonderful. Uh, illustration. He says, For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So what he's saying is, look, if you're... Uh, When you enter into a marriage, you have to stay faithful to your spouse, your husband or your wife. You stay faithful to your spouse. Why? Because of your marriage vows, because of uh, the desire that you have to, to live faithfully to your spouse. And it doesn't matter who you meet after you meet and uh, marry your spouse. You know, it, it, it's not supposed to change things. You're, you're not supposed to get married to that person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with and you make those vows and then you go off and get another job maybe a, a year, five years, ten years down the road. You go out and get a, a new job and all of a sudden you're hanging around different people because of different workplace, different circumstances. Maybe you move to a new community, a new town, new uh, state, and all of a sudden you come across somebody that is not your spouse. And it doesn't matter how much you have in common with that person. doesn't matter how much fun you have being around that person. Guess what? You're still married to your spouse, right? Uh, you're not supposed to fall in love with that other person. You're not supposed to do the things you do when you... Uh, Uh, that you do with your spouse, with that other person. Why? Because you're bound by that vow of marriage with that your spouse and you're not supposed to enter into any kind of relationship like you have with your spouse with someone else because you have that. And Paul is saying, Put in, putting in terms of the law. He says, look, a woman who's married to her husband can't go out and take another husband and 
this is what we're talking about, you know, having an affair, being in an adulterous relationship with someone else, uh, do the things you would do with your spouse with someone other than your spouse. Let's just leave it at that. And you're not supposed to do those things. Why? Because you are married. You're in a relationship already. You're already in a, uh, a you are covered by the vow that you gave to your spouse and you're not supposed to uh, go against that. And Paul uses this to help us to understand that uh, if you're married, you you can't go out and go out and get you a second spouse. You can't go out and get you a third spouse. You can't. Go, this is not reality TV. This is not uh, something that's uh, on TV. Uh, you you don't go out and get you another spouse just simply because you found somebody else that makes you happy. <clears throat> you are bound into a relationship. Paul says, "But uh, hey, what if you're uh, if in the course of your marriage you?" Uh, Let's let's read it from the scripture. He says, So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. If you go out and you have a relationship with someone that's not your spouse, as if they are your spouse, guess what? Uh, you are an adulterer, an adulteress. He says... Um, But if her husband be dead, then uh, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So Paul's saying, look, but if you're married and you're in a relationship and you have uh, this relationship and your spouse passes away, your spouse... uh, uh, for whatever reason, uh, uh, passes away and is no longer there. Then you get into another relationship. You get married to another person. Guess what? You're not an adulterer or not an adulteress. In this circumstance, Paul's using a woman being married to a man. She's not going to be considered an adulteress if she gets married to another man after her husband dies because why? The law is no longer present in her life towards to keep her bound to her first husband. Why? Because he's dead. He's no longer alive. There is uh, the law is not going to uphold any uh, uh, law that says that you have to remain married to your spouse after they pass away. Why? They're dead. They're no longer alive. You don't have to worry about uh, this. You enter into another relationship, get married to another man, another woman. You're no longer married to the first person because they are dead. The law that bound you to that person is not no longer affecting your life. Why? Because they're no longer alive. He says in verse 5, look, he says, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law did work in your members to bring forth fruit unto death. He says, while you were in sin, when you had sin in your life, you were under the law, it brought death into your life. But now we are delivered from the law, verse 6, that being dead wherein we uh, were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So he's saying when... Uh, you were in sin before you came to know Christ. You were under the law. You had the law upon your life and you 
we're living with the results of that law, which says uh, the wages of sin is death, right? The wages of sin is death. That's the law. The law tells us if we are in sin, we are subject to the, the results of sin, which is death. He says, but once you uh, are in Christ, you're no longer under that law. You are now living under the grace that he's been talking about, this grace. And that verse that we just quoted, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right. The gift of God, the grace of God, which gave us Jesus Christ, the, uh, the, the work of Jesus Christ in our life, has brought us the gift of eternal life. So Paul is saying is, is look, it's just like a, a marriage relationship. When you are in sin, you are under the law. That law says if you sin, you're dead. Uh, uh, to that sin, uh, you're dead in your sin. The it is the wages of sin is death. He says, but when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, uh, just like he mentioned in chapter five, you are. Uh, you're you're dead in Jesus Christ. You, you're dead to that sin. You're buried to that sin with Jesus Christ, and you're raised again in the newness of life with Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Uh, that's the image of baptism that we do. Uh, anytime someone is baptized here in the church, uh, I re- reference this: uh, buried with Christ and raised in the newness of life. Uh, they go down in the water symbolizing the, the be- uh, death and burial of Jesus Christ and bringing them back up, symbolizing Jesus Christ's resurrection. They're brought up and, and just like Jesus Christ raised from the dead, they're raised into the newness of a new life. They're no longer bound by that, uh, that old law, uh, Paul says. They're no longer bound by that law that stipulates that they uh, that they live in sin any longer. We're now under God's grace. And so we're living not under the oldness of the letter, but the newness of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, which is grace, which means we're no longer bound by that sin. Paul says in verse 7, What shall we say then is the law of sin? He says, so what are we talking about? is the law, everything that Paul's been pointing to, talking about sin and the law, sin and the law, the law and sin. And Paul's saying, in essence, he's asking, so is the law sin? Is Is the law bad? Is the law what causes us to sin? Or are we sinning because of the law? Are we sinning because we have the law? Paul says, God forbid. He says, look, you're not sinning because of the law. He says, you know you're sinning because of the law. You know that sin is in your life because of the law. Let's let's take this uh, to an example, uh, an illustration. Let's say you, uh, in your home, you have... uh, a room that you go and sleep in at your bedroom, right? And uh, most homes with bedrooms, they have windows and all that kind of thing. In fact, uh, uh, most homes have a lot of windows throughout the house. 
Let's say, for instance, you have a room that has no windows, a closet maybe, or you have a, a room that is just doesn't have windows, a bedroom with, without windows. Uh, I remember when I was in seminary, uh, Robin and I were supposed to live in seminary housing, and we... Uh, we it didn't work out with the first uh, apartment that we that the seminary had assigned for us. It just wasn't right, and it just I mean we got there it was infested with with vermin and bugs and everything because somebody left a bag of trash in the middle of the floor when they moved out and they it sat in there for a month uh, months and as a result guess what all the all the all kinds of stuff came in and and so we said look you can move that trash all you want. Uh, we're still not going to live there because we knew that the, all those bugs were still in the apartment. So we uh, we started looking at other apartments that the seminary had, and we realized that none of them were all that great. We were talking to other seminary uh, students and some that had children, and they had children, uh, and they were staying in these one-bedroom apartments. And I was saying, how are you doing that? Well, they were putting their children making bedrooms out of walk-in closets and they would put uh, they'd have a walk-in closet and they would put a bed in that closet and uh, sometimes bunk beds in those closets because they just couldn't afford a a two-bedroom apartment or they just didn't have one and uh, you know uh, some of you who grew up during the depression time you know about uh uh, having children and not having places to put them. I, I uh, often remember seeing pictures of people having babies and putting, pulling out their chest of drawers and putting the baby down in the drawer uh, instead of in a crib or something like that. Um, <clears throat> Let's say you had a room that was like one of those that had uh, no windows. You were live, uh, your bedroom was in a closet or something like that. You go to sleep and you wake up a while later. You have no windows to know if it's light or dark outside, right? What do you do to find out, aside from looking at the watch? Let's say your watch or your phone ran out of power. You want to know if it's morning yet. What do you do? You look at the window, right? Now, is the window what makes it sunny outside? No, it's the sun that, that determines whether or not, whether the sun is up or not determines whether or not it's, it's during the daytime, right? Not, whether, not The window doesn't determine whether it's day or night. It's the sun outside. Paul's saying, look, it's not the law that determines whether or not you sin. The law is like that window. The law basically tells you whether or not you, uh, whether sin is in your life by allowing you to see the sin that's there. You don't, you're not looking out the window, to deter, uh, and the window's not telling you whether or not it's light or day. It's allowing you to see it, allowing you to observe it. The law's not there telling you that bringing sin into your life, it's just a window to tell you whether or not there's sin there or not. It allows you to see the sin that's already present. allows you to see the effects of that sin in your life. Paul's saying don't hate the law simply because it shows you that you are sinful and in need of grace. He says the law is like that window that tells you whether or not 
you have sin in your life. Allows you to see that sin in your life. And he goes on to continue to make that illustration through the rest of this chapter, talking about uh, sin and grace. And sin and grace is like uh, a coin that has two sides. We have sin in our life, but you flip it over and God has grace to provide His love. We have sin, but God has grace. For the sin that we have, God has enough grace to cover that sin. You don't see a coin that has... I was going to bring a coin and I I forgot to pick it up. Um, When you have a coin, you don't have a head side that's bigger than the tail side, do you? No. No. You have one side that's heads, and it's not any bigger than the other side that's tails. Heads is no bigger than tails. Tails is no bigger than heads. Sin in our life, no matter how great our sin is, you flip it over, God's grace is is big enough to cover that sin. God's grace is always sufficient to provide for all of our needs. God's grace is always there. God's grace is there to cover our sin. And basically what Paul is saying in this chapter is is that we need to lay down the law. We need to... uh, Whenever... I used to... As a young boy, I loved westerns. I used to love the rifleman. I thought it was wonderful how that lead character had a good relationship with his son. And he, he was all rough and tough. And he was always ready to take on the bad guys with that rifle and shooting that rifle real fast and everything. But he always had time for his son. He always made sure that his son was doing the right thing. Made sure his son knew what was right and what was wrong. And and uh, uh, in every once in a while in those westerns, somebody would come into a town and they'd need a lawman to come in and lay down the law, right? Lay down the law. Lord, lay down the, we're not going to be all these people that are in here and just wild and, and doing whatever we want to. The law's coming in. Why? Because the law meant that people would start acting civilly. People would start doing what was right. And if you didn't do what was right, guess what? The lawman was going to come and take care of you. Paul's saying, look, the law is not there to make you sin. The law's not there to, uh, to cause you to sin. The law's there to help you to understand that you need grace and to tell you you have God's grace and to tell you that God's grace is sufficient for your life. The law is there. God comes in and He laid down the law in our life, just like that lawman coming into the rough and tumble town. God comes in and He says, look, you need to have the law in your life so that you can understand my grace, so that you can understand how much uh, my love is there for you. God's law came into your life and He expressed His love towards you by sharing with you how much you needed a Savior. And then He provided that Savior that you could not provide, that you could not provide for yourself. God's grace is there to take you into a right relationship with God. Let's bow in prayer.